Welcome to the Business Made Me Do It podcast, where we cover marketing, business, and overall growth. Here's your host, Caleb Shore. Welcome to the first episode of the Business Made Me Do It podcast, where we cover business, marketing, and growth. I'm super excited for everybody to be listening. Um, This is something I've wanted to do for a long, long time, and it's finally coming into fruition. I'm Caleb Shore. I'm your host. I create a conversion stream, a digital advertising agency for small businesses. And today we have on the podcast, my good friend, Brady Morgan. He is the founder of Financial Automation, where he helps entrepreneurs take back control of their business finances. Brady, welcome to the show. Hey, Caleb. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit about Financial Automation, where you started, kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, so we'll back it all the way up to high school. So when I was in high school, I wanted to do pre-med. I don't think there was a specific reason why. I think just because I thought they made a lot of money. I was like, sure, what the hell, let's do pre-med. I took a personal finance course uh, that was required. And I was like, man, I really like finance. My brother had a finance degree. I was like, let's do business. Sounds good. So I went through college, um, got a finance degree, started working at UBS following college, a major investment bank in the world. Uh, then I started working at Vanderbilt, major healthcare facility in Nashville. And then I started my podcast, which is kind of how we got to know each other called Budget Track, which kind of detailed me and my wife's journey towards financial freedom and kind of the, the struggles and successes along that journey. And we had a lot of success with it. We paid off all of our credit cards and we were able to help others through the strategies we were using. But then I realized that a lot of people that were asking me for advice were business owners. And I'm like, okay, th- there's kind of a disconnect here because yes, personal finance and business finance are different. But if a business owner is asking me about finance, like that's an issue because in my opinion, it's a biased opinion, but finance is the most important piece of your business. Solely my opinion, because think about it. If you don't have money, do you have a business? No. Mm-hmm. If you don't manage that money correctly, do you have a business? No. And a lot of businesses fail and a majority of the, those that fail are due to financial issues. So I was like, this is a clear opportunity that, that business owners need to understand finance. So we created financial automation. And what that does is we create custom financial dashboards relating to sales, taxes, expenses, ads, whatever. And it's all done in real time. We do financial consulting and then we do kind of like a financial literacy education piece. Now, in the background of all this, we're developing a software that will, of course, give us the automation point because when you're doing any sort of manual input through our custom financial dashboards, that's not automating. So we're working on that. But at the end of the day, we just want to empower business owners to take control of the finances behind their business because like I said, it is the most important piece. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. Um, what w- There were some crazy stats that I heard you say about the amount of failure and the reason why businesses fail is because of financial hardships. Mm-hmm. What, what was that percent? It was like something crazy, 50 or well, 60%? So, so 90% of small businesses fail. And then of those that fail, 65% are due to financial mismanagement. So like, that's the issue is like, let's assume that, you know, there's 10 businesses, nine of them fail. So of those nine that fail, about seven are due to financial issues. So two of those businesses didn't fail because of finances. So that could have been an issue with another owner or lack of customer service, whatever. So it's like, okay, obviously finance is an issue, right? And without money, there is no business. Yeah, nonprofits, you could argue, but no, you still need money. You still need money at the end of the day. And if you're not managing that money correctly, 
whether that's sales, expenses, ads, taxes, whatever, you're going to put yourself in a hole and people just don't, they don't get it. And like, but, but I get that they don't get it. Like I understand I have a finance degree. I'm biased. And at the end of the day, I want the business owner to continue doing what they're doing. That's actually driving revenue for the business and let us focus on the management of that revenue behind the scenes. Yeah. So essentially they would come in, seek your consult consulting, and then you guys pretty much manage that on the day to day. Is that how that would work? Kind of. So the, and that's kind of the disconnect what we've seen with a lot of people is because like, you know, finance and accounting are two very different subjects. People don't get that though. People think money, they think bookkeeping. Finance and accounting are very different. Accounting is way more legal than finance. But what comes with finance is talking about liquidity. How quickly could you turn your business, the assets into cash? Um, profitability, how much of your revenue are you actually keeping? And then computing these metrics for you and saying, hey, we have these KPIs relating to sales. This is what your profit margin is. This is what your average transaction value is. This is what your uh, net profit before tax is, right? So how can we take that information and give you the financial data to actually run your business, right? So if your average transaction value is say $40 and you want it to get up to $50, okay, what can we do? We, we know there's a $10 increment that we have to fill. Can we increase the prices of your services? We could, but are you going to lose customers as a result? And if you lose those customers, is that going to drop your, your AOV down? You know, So it's kind of like, then we can start asking legitimate questions because we have the financial data to, to back it up. And like that's the thing with any business is because pivots are a real thing. Every business pivots at some point in, in their journey, whatever that is. But how many of those pivots do you think are just blind pivots? Just me thinking, having an opinion saying, you know, we were doing marketing, but I think I'm going to do coaching now. It's like, well, if we go behind the scenes and, and like marketing is very profitable, why are you, why are you going to stop that? Why could you not just start a coaching business on the side, right? So now that, that we have this financial data, we're giving you the fuel to make those pivots, to make those decisions and to change whatever you need to change. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you just kind of talking through that. It seems like you let the data speak for itself. Exactly. And it seems like a lot of businesses don't even have the data to let the data speak for itself. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I think the biggest mistake entrepreneurs make is, uh, and we've, we've endured this through messaging and outreach and whatnot, is they say, my, it, my business isn't big enough yet to, to worry about managing the finances. And I'm like, that first of all, makes zero sense to me because I'm thinking, let's assume that you're making $10 a month right now. And next month you make a million if we introduce this brand new tool to you that you've never used before, when you're making a million dollars, don't you think it's going to be 10 times harder to, to input all the data and figure it out? Because not only are you trying to input a ton of data into it, but you don't even know how to use it. So my, my thing is like, you're, there's no too big or too small. It's just like you need it or you don't, right? Yeah, you I, either I, have a firm grasp or you don't. That's it. Yeah. I, I feel like as soon as you make any type of money, this would be very beneficial. Yeah. There's, there's KPIs for everything. Like, I mean, think about it. If, if you only made $10, let's assume you only made $10. If you spent a dollar on expenses, that's a $9 profit. That's pretty good. That's a 90% margin. That's pretty good. So now we, I mean, I just told you your margins with having two numbers, right? So what happens when you have a million numbers? It makes it a lot harder, but I just helped you understand the tool and now you can do it yourself or teach someone else to do it, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of businesses focus on 
revenue versus profit. Mm-hmm. And I think the main number is profit. It doesn't matter how much your revenue, if, you're, if your revenue is a million bucks and you're only making 1% profit, that's not an issue. That's a huge issue. Yeah. So I would, you know, me and my business partner, we, we talk a lot about this. We want to scale slowly and scale smart. That mm-hmm. way we can increase profit while still creating a great product. And I think a lot of people are like, how do I drive more revenue? How do, how do I get more money? How do I get more income? Like, how do we scale as quickly as possible? Mm-hmm. And when that comes, it's like, you're going to come have a lot more issues if you scale way too quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you work with a lot of e-com- e-commerce businesses. Are you seeing that in the e-commerce space? I mean, it's, it's, it's weird in the e-commerce space because you have to spend money, you know, like you have to buy products, you have to, maybe you have to pay for a space to, to hold those products, right? So not so much there, but for instance, I want to reference a podcast interview I did where we talked about this very thing, revenue versus profitability. And he was like, you know, at the end of the day, if I make $25,000 a month, but I'm spending 24,500. Like that's not a good month, you know? So when you have a service-based business, I think that's where profitability really comes into play. And of course with products and e-commerce, that is just as important, but you have less control. I would think, you know, if it's like, if I'm trying to sell t-shirts, like I can only go to so many places, especially right now, but to get those t-shirts. But if I have a service-based business, it's like, this is what I charge for my services, but I have 35 subscriptions. I have 25 VAs, like do I need that? Probably not. So yes, you could focus on driving more revenue or should you take a completely different approach and say, I probably need to cut some of these expenses, maybe fire a few people, whatever. Cause at the end of the day, it's profitability and you can drive revenue more, but you kind of hit a wall at, at some point. So it's like, okay, how, how can I still increase my profitability measures? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. I, w- I want to circle back to what you said earlier with letting, letting the data speak for itself versus mm-hmm. like kind of jumping into a rash decision. We, we do this a lot at conversion stream where it's like, we'll, we do advertising, um, a lot of social media, Google, Google advertising, but we essentially, we don't filter out what we think is correct. We mm-hmm. run ads for a short amount of time. And if these ads work, like there's been multiple times where I'm like, ah, this, you know, this is probably focused towards more of a 35 year old versus a 65 year old. Mm-hmm. But we run the data, we keep it very broad in the beginning and then narrow it down later. I've been surprised so many times where it's like, okay, this 65 year old is converting at half the price than this 35 year old is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay. I'm, I'm not dictating what we're doing. I'm letting the data dictate where we go. Cause if exactly. we can, you know, the, the whole thing is how do we provide the best service and the best results to our clients? And even if it is 65 year olds that are converting at half the price, those people are still paying clients they still need a great service. They still need a great product. Um, and it's just, it's helping people at the best way at the most affordable rate for the business and for the, for the end consumer. So, um, I, I wanted to touch on, I know Brady, you're reading a lot. Um, what is your favorite book or podcast right now? So coincidentally, uh, uh I took a break from reading for like a month. Um, and the reason is reading's great, but <laughs> I start, I started to get to this point where I was reading just to do it. 
I was reading to say I was doing it. And that's a wrong mentality. And, and that's a wrong mentality with anything. You know, don't do something just to do it. Have a purpose behind it. And I got something I'm trying to work on, like being present and intentional with everything I do. It's, it's harder for me because I have ADD, I feel like, you know, so I'm doing something and I'm thinking about something completely different. But I took a break because I was like, I'm not going to read just to read. I'm wasting time. So I just started reading again. And uh, I'm trying to read a book like every 10 days. And I'm reading a book called Rework right now. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mark Cuban endorses it. Uh, the founders, I don't even know their names, but the founders of Basecamp, which is like a project management tool. Mm-hmm. Really, really good book, honestly. One, it's an easy read. Two, the information in it is like, it's business related, but it's like the, kind of like the, what, what am I thinking of? Not the wrong way to do business. They're saying like, you know, this is the traditional way. Okay, this is the traditional way to do business. This is how we do business. You know, no meetings. Um, change fast, change often, you know, make these pivots, don't write anything down, stuff like that. And it's like, this is how new entrepreneurs are thinking. We don't, we don't have the, the attention span to do business in a traditional way. So how can we, you know, take everything that's around us now and start a business? So I like it a lot because it's easy to read. That's probably why. Uh, but my favorite author right now is Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, okay. Why the Rich Are Getting Richer. Uh, of course, it's finance related, so it interests me. But you know, he's, he's the same way. He talks about finance in a non-traditional way. And I think that's what people need to hear nowadays is like the, the textbook versions and definitions of finance and accounting and business in general are, are dying fast. And it's almost like those definitions are changing and the way to master those, those different subjects is changing. So how can we learn from people who are doing it in a non-traditional way and might have been thought of as, I guess not in the right frame of mind, but now it's like, okay, maybe they were right 10 years ago. Maybe they were right 25 years ago. So let me learn from them now to see like, how can I take this information, digest it, and then make changes going forward. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he, he is very smart. Rich Dad Poor Dad was, so I, I used to never be a reader. I hated reading. Like I would just look at cliff notes and then just mm. summarize it just to, just to get through it. Um, yep. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was the first one kind of post-college that I read that literally just changed the way I thought. And this is something that I recommend to everybody. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It will change the way you look at the world. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a lot about business and financing and a lot of real estate investing and, um, but it, it, it changes and cha- it challenges the way that I thought about money and building income versus passive income versus investing. And it just, it is a crazy way to, to think in the beginning, I was like, this guy's, this guy's ridiculous. But the more and yeah. more in business that I'm in, I mean, this was, this was years ago. Um, I need to go back and read it because there's so many little golden nuggets, yeah. but yeah, that was the first, first book that really, I guess, catapulted me into, I would class my, classify myself as a reader, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the first book that put me on, put me on that path. So that's, that's funny yeah. you say that. Yeah. I mean, there's several good books out there and like everybody's reading style and books they like is different. Like I, I do like the business books, don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of them get repetitive and a lot of them have the same tactics and I find myself uninterested. Yeah. And I think what interested me about Robert Kiyosaki is he has like a story while he's giving you little gold nuggets. And like, that's what I liked. It's like, it's a story. I can imagine him doing these things and I'm learning as he's experiencing these things within the book. But again, that's just my preference. And like, for instance, I just read a book called social media made me rich. It's like 500 pages of just 
research. And it's, it's good research. Don't get me wrong. Like it's good to know, but it's just boring to read, you know? So it's like, that's when I find myself, I was just reading just to read, like, don't read just to read. If you're doing research, you have a purpose, but like I said, have a purpose. I'm reading because I'm digesting this information. And when you stop doing that, just take a step back. Like it's not worth it to waste the time just reading words for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a good point. Have a purpose, even within reading, like even within everything you do, Mm -hmm. you know, like why do you work out? It's to have a purpose, to have a, you know, a fitter body, to mm-hmm. sharpen your mind, so on and so forth. Same thing in business and finances, like have a purpose. You know, it ties all, all to back what you guys are doing at Financial Automation. It's like, what, what's the purpose? I think a lot of businesses, like the way I think about it is having like dials to turn up and turn down in their business. You know, yep. this is a lot of marketing and financial pieces, but a lot of business don't even have a dashboard with dials. Like they don't even know which one to turn up or which one to turn down. And I think that's something that you guys are accomplishing. It's, it's kind of building those metrics and the KPIs to give the entrepreneur and the small business owner the um, visibility on their business to see exactly what they, what they can do, what they can't do, where they should cut out things, where they should put more, more money in. Yeah. So that's, well, another thing with that is like, you know, we talk to business owners and we talk about how they're tracking their finances and they're like, it's all in my head. I'm like, are you serious? Like, there's no way. And, and I'm probably going to be the first person to cuss on this podcast. I'm like, you're full of shit. Like, there, there's, <laughs> there, there's no, there's no way. That's it. You're first episode, we're done. <laughs> yeah. There, there's no way you're accurately computing your financials in your head. There's no way. There's way too much going on to to trust that and if you're a genius maybe but majority of people know so it's like i'm not gonna say like hey i'm not gonna push my service on you because I'm, I'm i'm kind of against like being super super salesy because it's kind of it's a turn off but do something write your number write on a p- freaking piece of paper like i don't know get it out of your head and it just kills me because it's like people think well finance is not my strong suit so I'm just not even going to worry about it. I'm going to keep the numbers in my head. That's good enough. It's not. It's a really, really, really quick way for your business to fail. Yeah. And, and I that's mean, what we want to do is I don't want your business to fail. I want to be with you and say, hey, like you should not be doing this. You should be doing that. And just give you that data to back up all those decisions. But until then, keeping them in your head, you're, you're running on the road blind. It's not, it's not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, you just, you need to focus on the main things that you do best and mm-hmm. then either hire people or outsource the rest. Like we, exactly. we do this a lot. It's like, I have a decent understanding of marketing and digital marketing, but we have a team that we have a person that does Facebook specifically. And that is it. Then Google, another person that does Google, another person that does email. And it's like, okay, that is their niche. Let them just run with that and just specialize, learn all about it, focus on just that. Cause I've, mm-hmm. I've been there in the past with, I want to do everything. You know, I want to do websites. I want to do advertising. I want to um, do emails and then, you know, so on and so forth. But it's like, you spread yourself too thin yep. and finances is, is, is one thing that I've noticed that it's very hard to do and not many people are financially smart in their business. And that's something financially literate, which, which is fine. Like you don't have, like, that's not to, to be throwing something in your face, but like, I don't know how to do marketing as well as you. I barely know how to do marketing, but I, I can tell someone like, I probably know finance better than you. And I have, 
the experience to back it up. Like not only do I have a podcast, but I worked in a major investment bank. I worked in finance at a healthcare facility. I have a finance degree. Like trust me with that. You know, like I would trust you with marketing. So I, I think at the end of the day too, and I get this entrepreneurs want to be one man teams and they want to keep, uh, or, or not even that, but have small teams or they don't want to bring in a CFO and that's fine. That's all we try to do everything digitally. I'm not asking you to have me on your team be your CFO and talk to me about every single thing you do with your business. Just let me give you the tools to be able to do it yourself. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Like most people aren't financially literate and, you know, they don't understand that piece of the business, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's fine, but it's like, you have to be self-aware to know that this is not a strong suit. And that honestly, it's, it's something that I I struggle with as well. You know, I, I know a decent amount about it, probably more than the average business owner, but I'm not an expert like you guys are. Um, there was one thing I wanted to focus on. You mentioned earlier about a story. Robert Kiyosaki had a story. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually building a story brand. That's that's a very good book about stories, and people resonate with, with a storytelling. It's mm-hmm. I kind of call it's called there's a, there's a name, but like story marketing is is kind of what I call it. It's like right. building a story. And people get to know that person from their story, mm-hmm. and, and like you and I. People need to know us, Brady and Caleb first before they even care about what businesses we offer. So like exactly. you, your store is amazing, which we haven't touched on here. Um, the first time we met in Nashville was one of the first things you said was you and your wife were in debt, maybe like $50,000 or yep. 60. I, I can't remember the numbers, 50. but it, it, it was a decent amount. And you were, you know, you were fairly young at that time, but you know, we checked in maybe a couple months later, six months later, and then you were slowly knocking it off. But that is where your story is super powerful. And I think that's something that you you can market a little more, to be honest with you, because people resonate with being in debt. Most people are in debt. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. 100%. So it's like you being the expert in this field, you've been there. You've been in debt. Um, and you know exactly how to get out of debt. Yeah. I mean, you know, with, with all of that, it, it, you're right. It resonates with a lot of people. I think it's 70 something percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. I don't know the exact percentage, but I mean, it is a scary thing, right? I mean, me and my wife, we will have been married a year on May 11th. So four days from now, but, um, uh, you know, we're, we're newlyweds and we combined our finances and, you know, between cars and, student loans and credit cards is like 50 grand in debt. And that's stressful. And I, I have a podcast. I was working a nine to five. Like I, I wasn't making a million dollars a year. My wife's a nurse. She's definitely not making a million dollars a year, <laughs> but we made it work. And at the end of the day, I, it made our relationship stronger. But for those who aren't in a relationship and still live in paycheck to paycheck and have debt, like the, you just got to get on a plan. You have to understand like, it's not the end of the world. It sucks. It stresses me out probably more than the average person, which is why I had to get rid of it. But it's not the end of the world. Yeah. For, if you can get in a plan and be strategic, like you can do it. It just, it takes time and patience. Yeah. So that plan, if somebody listening right now is in debt, let's just say a thousand bucks, what actionable tips could you give them to get out of debt as quickly as possible? So I actually did this on my podcast and, um, we, me and my wife paid off about $15,000 of credit card debt in like under five months. And my wife wasn't working for about half of that time because she was still in school. And like I said, I was working a nine to five in Nashville. Like it's not, 
the most money in the world. I mean, it was decent money, but the first step is you have to figure out like, why, why do you want to get out of debt? Saying it's stressful is not enough, right? Like for me, my why is I want to provide a financial future for me or a good financial future for me and my wife and my future kids. Like I don't want to be a burden and I want to teach them that you can get out of debt. It just takes time. So why are you doing what you're doing? Step two is how much debt are you actually in? List out as many details as possible. How many credit cards, student loans, car loans, whatever, write down the APRs, which is a fancy way of saying the interest rate. Uh, what's your monthly payment right now? Then write down how much money am I making? What are my expenses? What are my fixed expenses? How much am I paying on subscriptions, rent, utilities, whatever a month? And then subtract your fixed expense, your, your, do, do your income minus your fixed expenses, how much money is left over, right? And then you want to subtract your, your minimum payments. Okay, how much money is left over? So depending upon how much money is left over, of course, at the end of the day, you still have to eat. You still have to pay for gas. So you got to factor that in there. But then once you can come up with a budget of a, like, okay, I can live off a thousand dollars a month of eating out groceries, gas, whatever. Let's say you got $500 left over. Well, that $500 left over does not need to be invested. Does not need to be saved. Nothing. Put it towards your debt. Me and my wife literally for six months probably had on average like hundred bucks in our bank account. That's including checking and savings. Because every extra income we had, just towards debt. There's no point in saving, in my opinion. There's no point in investing. Like Mark Cuban said it best, when you're paying down your credit card that has a 25% APR and you pay it off early, how much interest did you just save? You just got a return on your money because you save money in the long run. That's my my opinion on everything. So it's like, like, just pay it off. Don't save. Just Just get it done as quickly as possible. If you need an emergency fund, this is probably unorthodox. My credit card is my emergency fund. If something is that bad that I have to spend money on it right now, I have a credit card with enough balance left over that I can do it. So just get it, just get it done. I mean, it's, you, you got to be aggressive. You, you yeah. can't be like, I'm going to pay $20 extra a month here and there. It's like, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> not gonna do, me, it. do anything. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. The way I think about it is like you have, let's just say 25% interest. You are technically paying 25% more if you don't pay that off, putting mm-hmm. it in savings, it's literally They're losing grow. money. It's yeah. losing, it, even if you're investing, let's just say what, eight, seven, eight percent in S&P 500, mm-hmm. you're gaining seven and a half percent, but you're losing 25% on that interest. So it's like, it's a no brainer when you break it down like that. It's like, of course, I'm going to pay this off. You know, exactly. put as much as you can, live like a hermit uh, as much as you can just to kind of get out of that. And then once, once you get out of that, yes, invest and save and so on and so forth. Yeah. And like I was telling, I was telling my wife, it's like we coincidentally through everything that's happening right now, we are in the best financial situation personally than we've ever been. And I would attribute a lot of that to, to just even the, just getting rid of the credit cards. Like, that was one thing that's like, we paid so much towards our credit cards every month. It was ridiculous. And now it's like, we're able to save, we're able to invest, we're, we're able to put money towards my businesses, towards whatever she wants to do. And it's like, it, it feels good. So my, my, my thing is like, when you're investing in saving, you want it to feel good. You want it to feel good that you have that money sitting there. But when you have outstanding debt that had high interest rates like we did, like it did not feel good to do that. So paying off that debt, like it was like relieving, you know, it was, it was taking a burden off our shoulders. So I would suggest everyone go the route I did. Of course I'm biased, but just, just live broke for a few months and just get debt paid off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same, same thing. Like, so a little bit about me, it's like, 
I, I worked at uh, a, a software developer job. I worked in IT um, sales before that. So I, I saved a decent amount of money. I always knew I was going to start a business. I just didn't know when. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was literally saving 500 to 1000 a month, just putting it away for a rainy day. And I uh, finally launched launched my business. It's been over over a year, year and a half, and then that has given me the flexibility to do everything that I've wanted to do. Like, yes, I have saved a lot of money for not a lot, but a little bit amount for a long period of time. So that has given me the flexibility in the future to do what I'm doing now and chase my dreams right. um, and go after exactly what I want to do with my life. So mm-hmm. that's, that's super powerful, man. Um, that's, that's awesome to you and your wife. It, it takes a lot of dedication to, to do that consistently. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's awesome, man. Um, one question I had, what is kind of random biggest failure in the past year? Biggest failure in the past year. Hmm. I would say, so I started the podcast. I guess this really isn't a huge failure. I started the podcast and started getting good feedback from the podcast this guy reached out to me on LinkedIn, not going to say any names. And we were talking and I was like, what the hell? Let's, let's go into business together. Right. Uh, it was me, him and current business partner. And that just fell through. And I think my biggest failure was trusting that someone would be able to come in and have the same dedication and vision as I did. And not that that's like a, like I didn't lose money or anything, but it's, I think it was kind of like a mental failure where I felt like, like, why the hell did I do this? Like, why did I bring him in? Now he knows more about like what I want to do. He could take and run with it himself. He doesn't have the same vision. We're arguing, whatever. And I'm young, like I'm only 24 years old. So it's like, I guess people can attribute uh, their experiences to like really, really vet who you're going into business with. Like this is that you're going to talk to this person more than you talk to your best friends, probably more than your spouse. Let's be honest. Right. So you really have to understand, do I, not only is this person smart and capable of doing his or her part in the business, but do you even like this person? Do you even enjoy talking to them, being around them? Uh, personal stuff, right? You have to understand that. So it's like, again, if I, if my business had scaled to millions of dollars and he was still involved, like that would be an issue. That would be a really supreme failure, buying him out, firing him, whatever. <laughs> But, you know, we weren't there yet. So that's a very small failure, but people deal with that. So yeah, you really have to bet who you're going into business with. That's, that's huge. I, I honestly didn't know that. Um, what, what do you think you could have done better? Like, is it specific questions or uh, like, how, how do you know who a good business partner is versus who isn't? I, I think honestly, dude, like you just know. You should, you, like you just have this gut feeling. Like I didn't have the best gut feeling. Uh, he's from, he was from where I'm from. And, um, we used to work at the same place together and I just trusted that that was good enough, but this gut feeling was like, it's not. So I think it's kind of like, you just got to trust yourself, Tr- trust your instincts. Cause they're, they're usually right. And even my business partner now, he was involved in that and he, he was saying the same thing. So it's like, you, you, you can't be biased and that's what I've learned too is like, just because like I think something's right or think something to be true doesn't mean it is. So, and, and in my opinion, the, the, when your instincts kind of do know what's right and what's wrong, whether they're, you know, 
vocally saying that or not. So you just got to trust that. And that's kind of what I've learned is like going forward. If I don't have, if I have an uneasy feeling about a, a specific direction or decision or whatever, it's like, okay, I, I either have to just stop everything altogether with this decision or just step back, recalibrate, and then go forward with whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Trusting your gut. It, it, it goes so far. And mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the older you're very young, like the older and older you get, I'm sure you can talk to your parents or grandparents about this. It's like, they always trust their gut because like deep down, you, you really know, like you can, mm. you can vet people out. Um, you know, I, I always kind of tie it back to, to business and relationships. It's like, if people can tell you're like a salesman and you're trying to, you know, get one over on somebody, people are going to vet that out. Like it's just in our innate ability to figure those stuff, figure that stuff out. You call it gut, you call it, you know, a feeling, you call it, you know, it doesn't sound yeah. right. Like it's your brain, whatever you want to call it. It's like, people know when people are trying to take advantage of someone Yep, in, any, in anything you do. Yeah. All right, Brady. Um, so I want to finish up with a, a rapid fire round. I'm just going to fire off a couple questions at you and then we'll kind of wrap up. Um, what is one thing not many people know about you? Oh man, that's hard. <laughs> um, I used to play college soccer, I guess. Okay. All right. If you had an additional $5,000 handed to you right now, where would you spend it in your business? In my business? I was going to say I'd, I'd put it in a down payment for a house. <laughs> business only. Business only. Um, probably developing more of our software. Okay. And how, how is that? You know, we've touched a little bit on it. How, just very quickly, how is this software development side going? Good. I mean, it's, it's still very young, but, uh, it is expensive. So if I had $5,000, I would say, Hey, let's, uh, let's just put it towards software. Yeah. Cool. One thing you're excited about right now. Software. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, kind of a random one. What is something I didn't ask, but I should have about you or your business? Hmm. You should have asked, how does financial automation and the software play a role in each other? Answer it. It doesn't. That's the thing. Why? So our software is going to be a completely different company altogether. And the reason is, I mean, very basic financial automation doesn't sound like a software to me um, or a cool software. You know, if we want to build a culture and a brand, the software is long-term play. That's like where I see if we have some sort of physical workspace, like the name of the software is on the building or whatever. Financial automation is solely just going to be our custom financial dashboards, financial consulting, financial literacy, education, all of that. And then uh, the less techie route and then tech is going to be a completely different thing. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and you just say, I, I love the automation piece and we'll, we'll get, I have a couple more questions. The automation piece. See, I kind of view marketing as an automation machine that we're kind of building. Mm-hmm. So it's like when, a, you know, when we generate a lead for a client, I want to have automation steps in place on right. the back end for them to automatically convert, you know, schedule a time, whatever it may be. Um, so that's, that's cool. You guys are, are building the kind of the financial automation. Like we, we do a lot of with the marketing automation. So that's cool. Yep. Um, one crazy thing that business has made you do. What business has made me do uh, work until three in the morning, I guess. Uh, not, not staying up till three to play Xbox, staying up till three because I'm working. How does your wife feel about you staying up till three? Well, it sucks because uh, my, my desk is in our bedroom. So, 
and I, I just got a new a new 27 inch monitor and it's really bright. So she's trying to sleep. <laughs> monitor is bright. I have to turn it, the dimness all the way down and I can barely see it. So, I mean, it's kind of a, uh, We'll see. Yeah. I don't even know. Dude, I'm, I'm the same way. My bed is literally right over there. So my office is in my, in my bedroom. So I, I feel your pain. <laughs> um, all right, man, that, that wraps it up. Um, where can people find more about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Brady Morgan underscore. My financial automations Instagram is at financial automation. Podcast is at Budget Trek. And then my website for financial automation is financialautomation.co. And then, uh, yeah, that's probably about everything. Hey.